Reading from the Ramananda Samvad within Chaitanya Charitamrita, conversation between Rai Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Where did we leave off last night? Dasi Bhakti, Sakya Bhakti, Vatsalya Bhakti, Madhurya Bhakti. So Ramananda Roy has been at the prodding of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu going deeper and deeper into Prem Bhakti, from Gyanshunya Bhakti to, in terms of the practice, to the sadhya of Prem, skipping over Shanta Bhakti, Shantarati, going to Dasirati, Sakirati, Vatsalya Rati, and Madhurya Rati increasing in excellence. And after coming to the conclusion of this brief discussion of the increasing excellence of aesthetic rapture through these various mellows, he made an important point, Ramananda Roy. He said there are various means and processes by which one may attain the favor of the Lord Krishna. All of those transcendental processes will be studied from the viewpoint of comparative importance. Kintu jana jayrasa se sarvotam tathasta hantra vicharile achetarnam. So it's worth repeating, we heard this last night. He says, but, kintu jana jayrasa se sarvotam. Whatever is one's own taste, relish, whatever is one's own aesthetic rapture in rasa with Krishna, that's the best. Subjective. So first he gives the subjective reality. And secondly, he gives the objective reality from the point of view of tatasta, from a neutral position, if we analyze, then some are more developed than others. And he quotes a verse from Bhaktivedanta Sindhu to give support to this. Increasing love is experienced in various tastes, one above the other, but the love which is the highest in the gradual succession of desires manifests itself in the form of conjugal love. Purva Puva Rasair Guna Pore Pore Hai Duitin Gonane Pancha Parayanta Bodai. There is a gradual order of improvement in transcendental mellows from initial ones to the later ones. In each subsequent mellow the qualities of the previous mellows are manifest, counting from two, then three, up to the point of five complete qualities. You understand? So what he's saying, and he's going to explain this in greater detail and give an analogy, an example, to help us understand, that which is in Dasirasa is also in Sakirasa and more. The two, if you want to count in this way, that are in Sakirasa, the one that became two becomes three in Vatsalya, so on. So all of the qualities or all of the, all that can be found in Shantarasa, Dasirasa, Sakirasa, Vatsalyarasa, can be found in Madhurya Rasa. So sometimes we may find even uh, a gopi thinking of sporting with Krishna like a friend. It's possible. The foundation in one sense is Dasya. Everyone is servant. These are really only different expressions of service, intensity of service. <laughs> it becomes so intense that it looks 
like the opposite of service in conjugal love in particular. So to help us understand, he says, Gunat ikhe sarvadikya bardhe pratirase shantadasya sakya vatsaler guna madure As the qualities increase, so the taste also increases in each and every mellow. Therefore, the qualities found in shanta, rasa, dasya rasa, sakya rasa, vatsaler rasa are all manifest in conjugal love. Akash aridat guna jena para para bhute. So he gives an example of the five elements. Panchabhuta, what are the five elements? Earth, water, fire, air, and ether. In earth, we find smell, taste, touch, sight, sound. In water, we find four of these. Smell is missing. In fire, we found three. Taste and smell is missing. And in air, we find two. Taste, smell, and form is absent. And in akash, ether, we have one, just the sound. So similarly, the idea is, we take it comparatively, put Madhuri Rasa in the place of earth, and Shantaras in the place of akash, ether. Paripurna Krishna prapti eprim haite e primera vasa Krishna kohe bhagavate Complete attainment of the lotus feet of Krishna is made possible by love of Godhead, specifically Madhurya Rasa or Kanjuga love. Lord Krishna is indeed captivated by the standard of love. This is stated in Srimad Bhagavatam. So he cites verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. Mai bhakti ributhanam amrita dvai kalpate dishtyadyad asinvat sneho bhavatinam mad So this is an important verse. It's in the 82nd chapter the 10th canto, verse 45. This is the chapter in which the gopis and all the inhabitants of Vrindavan meet with Krishna at Kurukshetra. Krishna arrived at Kurukshetra along with the residents of Dwarka. Vasudeva had gone there to perform sacrifice, so everyone went. Krishna going as a prince and the inhabitants of Vrindavan were also invited. They came and Krishna met with Nandamaraj, Jashoda, Standing next to Devaki, he saw Mother Yashoda. Devaki saw Mother Yashoda and said, He's yours. He's not my son. Seeing the affection of Mother Yashoda, she could understand that her love was superior. She was drawing more affection from Krishna. So he met with Mother Yashoda and so on. And then in the social affairs of the meeting, people got busy with one another. And Krishna slipped off into the bushes to meet with the gopis. And very intimate talks took place at that time. And this verse that's cited here is a, the response that Krishna gave to the gopis, who said to him, Oh, you, whose navel is like a lotus. They tried to put forward their own position. They said, there are people who approach you with big intelligence, and yoga practice, jnanis and yogis, and then there are karmis also perform big sacrifices to attract your attention. All of these people want some kind of relationship with you. But our position is very different. We don't have that kind of brain like a big jnani, and we don't have the power to practice yoga. We don't have the means at our disposal to perform big sacrifices and a big glare to attract your attention with big offerings. We're stuck in samsara kupa, the well of material existence, we're just wrapped up there, just village girls, 
interested in finding a husband. Still, in spite of our position, as we describe it, we want to have a relationship with you. We hope you'll be merciful to us. This is the outer meaning of what they said. The inner meaning is really that we're not like those big yogis, jnanis, and karmis. In other words, we're not interested in yoga. We're interested in jnana. We're not interested in karma and these means of approaching you. And the meager reciprocation was drawn from you by these means up to liberation, Brahman realization. They considered this is meager and insignificant. We're not interested in that. What are we interested in? We're interested in having you relate with us in the situation where we're in right now. We want you to be that husband every young girl looks for in our life. We want this kind of relationship. Very bold idea. This is the inner meaning. And Krishna responds. Outwardly, he says, Many people approach me with devotion to attain eternal life. And that's very good. And you're very fortunate because you have affection for me. So the implication is, and surely you'll get eternal life too. But this is not how the gopis heard it. And of course, Krishna is responding to what he heard the gopis saying, their bold claim of how they wanted a relationship with him, which was more intimate than one could get from even the practice of jnana and yoga would speak of karma. What kind of practice they've actually been involved in, how they've absorbed their minds and thoughts of Krishna. We've said before that the yogis are always trying to fix their mind on Krishna and the gopis we find in the Lila, they're trying to forget Krishna, and they can't. We try to fix our mind on Krishna, and it's, it's very difficult. Imagine, they tried to stop thinking about Krishna, and they couldn't. They, they made effort, how absorbed they had become. So Krishna knows that, and he hears what they're really saying. And here he, they had been separated for a long time, because Krishna left Vrindavan to go to Mathura, and then on to Dwarka. He promised to return. Here, he, in their conversation, Previous to this verse, he invited them to join with him, come to Dwarka. They're not interested in that, any such thing. So he says here, people approach me in Bhakti to attain eternal life, but the way you have approached me with such affection, I consider myself to be fortunate. I'm lucky to have somebody who thinks so affectionately for me. It's inconceivable. In other words, all the world wants Krishna. Or should we say wants something from Krishna, or should we say, wants to control Krishna. They want to bring Krishna under their control by some big yagya or some expenditure of energy on the plane of karma that Krishna will be obliged to give them something. Or they want to bring Krishna under their control by the power of jnana and yoga and get something from him, liberation. But they're not interested in him proper. How much will he be interested in them? If I am a wealthy and knowledgeable man, and you come to my house, and you render all kind of service. If I'm intelligent, I have to test you out and see what is the inner spirit behind your service. Because it's said, there's a famous Bengali saying that too much devotion is the sign of a thief. What is the? Ati bhakti chorlakan. Too much devotion is the sign of a thief. So devotion is rare. Therefore, we see a lot of it, we're suspect. <laughs> so if I find out that person is very devoted... Because he wants something from me. I give him something. This is really what it's all about. Then I have to be a little cautious of him. Maybe he wants my material possessions. Maybe he wants to take over my whole position. Like the Gyanis. 
yogis, they want to put themselves in the place of the Paramatma. Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman, they're thinking. They want to worship Krishna to become as Krishna. So this is not very attractive. Anyone can understand this. This would not be very attractive if someone approached on these terms, no matter how much they folded their hands and how much praise they offered. There's a story in Chaitanya Charitamrita of how Raghunath Bhatta Goswami was accompanied, or he accompanied, a Ram Bhakta from Banaras to Puri to meet with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that man was always chanting the name of Ram. So Bhatta Goswami, Raghunath, tried to place himself in a position of serving that fellow because he thought he's always chanting the name of Ram. He's very devoted and he's senior to me. He's elderly. But the fellow wouldn't accept any service even from uh, Raghunath Bhatta. And so that made him think even more that he must be a great devotee. When they arrived in Puri, the news came to Mahaprabhu that Raghunath Bhatta has come and uh, Mahaprabhu called for him and affectionately dealt with him, instructed him and so forth. And then afterwards he asked Raghunath Bhatta, he asked Mahaprabhu, one thing I want to I don't understand is you, you called me. I'm really an insignificant devotee. And this fellow I came with is always chanting around Nam, and you didn't call for him. Mahaprabhu said, oh, he's only interested in liberation with all of his Ram Nam. I have no, no interest in that. So you can find him. My bodies also chant. They may chant more than you. <laughs> but what they want, Kshidamar said, it's like a lightning bolt <laughs> throwing at Krishna their chanting. That's how he accepts it. Therefore, he retires them in Sayujamukti, forever keeping them away from him. So I was asked a question recently by one of the devotees about Sridharmar's mention in one of his published talks about the conception behind the holy name. And he was thinking, if I have a conception of the name, finding a hard time of conceptualizing, I respond to him, it's the conception that you get from the person who has it. <laughs> you want to get a conception, in other words, you don't want to be a, get the holy name from a Mayavadi. This mentioned that we should not hear Harikata from someone who's not a devotee. Because just as milk, no. touched by the lips of a serpent, which carries with it some poison, is not good, even though milk is a good thing, that Harikata is good. But if it comes from a person who has no real devotion for Krishna, has another conception about Krishna than bhakti, that will not be good for our bhakti. We want to hear about Krishna from devotees of Krishna. So Krishna here, what does he say? I'm conquered really by the affection that you have. I feel myself fortunate to be in your association. Everybody wants my association. Everybody wants my attention. But 99.9% .9 of them, they want my attention to get something from me. They want to control me. But I am independent. No one can control me. But... My dear gopis, you have controlled me. That is how they understood what he said. And that means that's what he's actually saying. I feel myself fortunate to be in your company because of the measure of your affection. It's so great. When Radharani heard this, she got some solace. She was not going to go with him back to Dwarka. And he was not going to go with her back to Vrindavan, apparently. But the message here is that I may go back to Dwarka, my body may go there, but my heart is gone with you, conquered. I'm controlled by your love. So she went back knowing he's coming back. There's no doubt about it. He's been away in Dwarka in high society. He's got queens now and everything. Big life that he hasn't forgot me for one minute. He'll be back. And of course, he does return. So here Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is 
citing this verse from Srimad Bhagavatam to illustrate that this conjugal love in particular, according to Srimad Bhagavatam, has the power to conquer Krishna. Of course, all the types of love of Vrindavan are conquering of Krishna, but this is in a most comprehensive way. Therefore, we say, Radhe Vrindavanishwari. She is the goddess of Vrindavan, conquered Krishna. This is the Gaudiya flag waving high of their religious conception. And here in this section, while he's glorifying Madhurya Rasa as the highest, he'll come to an end of this glorification. Mahaprabhu will say, this is very nice. Can you go further? And Roy Ramana, what will he say? No one has ever asked for something more than this. But there is something, so I'll say what I can. And ultimately he takes us to the glory of Sri Radha. So this is really, as I say, the flag of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. There are other Ragmarg Sampradayas also. Nimbark Sampradaya and Balba Sampradaya are Ragmarg Sampradayas. And even in Nimbark Sampradaya, there is mention of Radha and so forth. But the position taken by the Gaudias in relation to Radha, that is unique. It is they who have placed her standing next to Krishna. <laughs> and after their example, so many temples have done. In fact, in Vrindavan, you can find a lot of Nimbarkis and they chant Hare Krishna because of the influence of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. The Tikas of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, Sanatana Goswami and Vishwanath Chakvartitaka, everybody in Vrindavan reads those. Everybody who gives the Bhagavad Kata, Bhagavad Septa, from whatever sect, they're all citing from them. So this Gaudiya Vaishnav conception of Vrindavan, Bhakti, and Radha Dasyam, this is the speciality of our Sampradaya. And as we mentioned yesterday, by putting stress as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has on this highest thing, we take shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Radha Govinda, and there's nothing that we cannot get. Therefore, it has the power, as Bhaktivinoda said, to unite all Sampradayas. We have a universal mantra, Maha Mantra, and we have Swayam Bhagavan as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, if your position is Dasya Bhakti, even in Baikuntha, take shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Swayam Bhagavan, Chaitanya Hare Krishna, and easily you will attain what you have the capacity to attain. If you have capacity to attain Praj Bhakti and you take shelter of the Ramanuja Sampradaya, which is a Vaidhi Bhakti Sampradaya, how will it be possible for you to attain your potential there? But conversely, this is like we've heard, if you have potential capacity for Sakyarasa and you take shelter of the Madhurya Sampradaya, you can get that. <laughs> so Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, all the Sampradaya should come under the banner of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu once he's made his appearance. And we find, as we heard this earlier today, some foolish people from some Sampradaya, Vaishnava Sampradaya, even are criticizing Gaudiya Sampradaya. They haven't heard properly. So he goes on, he says, Krishna Pratigya Didha Sarvakale Ache Jaitche Bhajje Krishna Tari Bhajitaiche. Lord Krishna has made a firm promise for all time. If one renders service unto him, Krishna correspondingly gives him an equal amount of success in devotional service to the Lord. Who can say where that verse is from? Where did Krishna make that promise? The Bhagavad Gita. It's in the Bhagavad Gita. What chapter? What does he say? He says that uh, I uh, reciprocate with people according to how they fortune. He says, This is coming in the fourth chapter. Fourth chapter, Krishna begins by giving us some history of his teaching, the background. He's given the teaching of Karma Yoga to Arjuna in the third chapter and to 
solidify his conviction and keep him on board in terms of what he's advocating, he digresses slightly and says, let me give you some history of this. A long time ago I spoke this. This is not a new thing here, what I'm talking to you about. I spoke this a long time ago to the sun god. He spoke it to Shvaku and Shvaku to Manu. This way it's been handed down to the kings in the Parampara system. And, and today, because you're my friend and devotee, I'm going to share it with you. brings up some questions in Arjun's mind. It's interesting, but it brings up some other points. How could you have spoken this to the sun god and you're standing here before me today? And we're friends, we're contemporaries, and the sun god is in a different position altogether. And you taught him, and so this gives... Krishna, of course, the chance to speak about the principle of avatar, descent of the Lord, how he's descended in the world, what his position is, how he comes in the world and is not of it at the same time. And this, of course, is building a foundation for bhakti, which is the ultimate advocacy of Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. And so in the 11th verse, in the midst of that section, Krishna, just before he starts to get a little bit emotionally charged up speaking about bhakti, getting a little bit ahead of himself, in a sense. And this verse comes, Although he says, All people worship me, and I reciprocate accordingly. In his own mind, he's thinking more of the devotees, who in different ways approach me, and I reciprocate with them in Dasya Bhakti, and Sakya Bhakti, and Madhurya Bhakti, and so forth. Now, Krishna Kaviraj is quoting this verse, and he's going to say something interesting about it. He's going to say, that Krishna has said this, however, a premera anurupna poribhajite ataiva rinni hai kohi bhagavate. What does he say? He said this in Bhagavad Gita. However, in Srimad Bhagavatam, he said that he couldn't fulfill his promise in Bhagavad Gita. He couldn't reciprocate fully with the gopi's love. Therefore, in terms of that love in particular, he always remains a debtor. They have exhausted his capacity to reciprocate. He has to say to them, your love is superior to what I have, therefore I subordinate myself to you. I touch your feet. Radha, what does Radha say? No! You have not done anything wrong. It cannot be. The problem is with me. If I had any love for you, I would have died a long time ago. But I've gone on living. This is the spirit of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Naprema Gandhi said, in me there's not a scent of love for Krishna. Why? Oh, it's obvious. If there was, if I had any love for Krishna, how could I go on living in his separation, spending time eating, sleeping, taking care of this dead body, attending to it? If I had even a scent of love, such is the nature of that love, this is the point, if I had just a scent of it, Oh, my whole life would be turned upside down. I couldn't think of being involved in these, what he said was like this insect-like life, mm-hmm. taking care of my bodily needs. Therefore, it's evident, he said, I haven't got the trace of that love, not a scent. Like, imagine what that thing is. Rupa Goswami says that the liberated Gyanis, Jivan Muktas, if they get just a scent of this, the minds are completely carried away. It's almost like a foreign thing to them. And they're already liberated. They're already in Brahman. But this is so far into Brahman that it, it seems it's mind-boggling. So therefore he's teaching as he's teaching. This is a very, very high thing. Mahaprabhu is getting some satisfaction from what Rai Ramananda is speaking here. So what is the verse from Srimad Bhagavatam in which Krishna admits that he cannot 
reciprocate for the gopi's love. It comes at the end of the 32nd chapter. In the 32nd chapter of the 10th canto, Krishna has come out of hiding. He had hidden from the gopis to increase the measure of their love and to watch it. But watching it, he became stunned at the extent of that love. And he was forced by it to come out of hiding. Not only was he forced to come out of hiding, but he had a yellow sash that he tied around his neck. That's a sign of humility. (laughs) He tied around his neck, hanging his head. Uh, I'm back. (laughs) Something like that. And, of course, they were overjoyed to see him. But they asked him, before we go on with this, (laughs) got a couple of questions for you. Radharani's attendants asked the questions. What kind of lover are you, anyway? Some people love and they reciprocate. They love people only if they'll reciprocate. And some people love even when there's no reciprocation. And some people don't reciprocate at all, even when there's grounds for reciprocating. What kind of lover are you? So Krishna explains, of course, well, those people that love only for reciprocation. They are really just businessmen. There's really no love in that. Those people that love, and even when there's no reciprocation, they're very religious and dutiful, and like a mother loves her child, even though the child can't reciprocate. That's noble. And then there's those people that love, and then there's no reciprocation. Those that don't reciprocate, because they're fully satisfied. Atmaram. They don't need any love. So he explains in different ways. And then he says, anyway, but my position is in relation to you. This. Napareham niravadisam dutam sasadukrityam vibudhayusapiva yon mabhajan durjaya gehasinkala samrishchatadva pratijatu saduna. He says that I'm not able to reciprocate for the measure of your love. It's greater than mine. Even in the life of Brahma, he says, it would be impossible for me to repay the debt that I've incurred for your love. So I subordinate myself to you. I've been conquered by you. This is said to be, of course, then, in a sense, the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this verse in Bhagavad Gita that Krishna gives also reminds us, Gaudiya Vaishnavas, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And the fullest expression of this verse, his devotion, exhausting Krishna's capacity to reciprocate and therefore Krishna places himself in the hands of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the mood of Radha. So therefore, we as Godias, we approach Radha wisely, thinking this will get Krishna's attention, because he's wrapped up by her. You follow? Then, hearing that, of course, then the Rasalila commences, after it had been interrupted, and it commences again. And here Krishna's Kaviraj continues, Jatyapi Krishna Sundarja Madhudya Durja Although Krishna's unparalleled beauty is the topmost sweetness of love of Godhead, his sweetness increases unlimitedly when he is in the company of the gopis. Consequently, Krishna's exchange of love with the gopis is the topmost perfection of love of Godhead. And he wants to illustrate this. So he quotes a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. Tatra Tishu Shubeb Tabir Bhagavan Devaki Sutta Madhye Maninam Haimanam Mahamah Rakato Jata. 
Although the Son of Devaki, the Supreme Personality of God, is also the reservoir of all kinds of beauty, when he is among the gopis, he nonetheless becomes more beautiful, for he resembles a Markata jewel surrounded by gold and other jewels. It's also from the Rasa Panchajai. Prabhu Kohe E Satyabhati Sunis Chai Kripa Gori Agi Kichu Hai Mahaprabhu said, This is certainly the limit of perfection, but please be merciful to me and speak more if there is more. And as I mentioned, Rai Ramananda says, Ihar Age Puche Hena Jane Eta Dina Nahi Jane Ache Bhuvane Until this day, I did not know anyone within this material world who could inquire beyond this perfectional stage of devotional service. So Mahaprabhu is bringing this down. What's coming next? We'll hear that. Any question? Has anybody ever analyzed or described the rasas in relation to Radharani? Because there seem to be all of them, Dasya, Vatsadya, Sakya, well, not all of them. Like, there are friends of Radharani and servants of Radharani. Oh, she has parents. no. Nobody has analyzed them, or there's no mention of them. If I understand you correctly, you're asking, has anybody ever described Radharani as the ashraya yeah. of love, and or the vishai of love, and others as ashraya in relation to her in different mellows? No. Krishna is the vishai alambana, or Radha Krishna combined. See, any service to Radha is service to Krishna, because Radha is fully dedicated to Krishna. There's nothing she does, thinks at all that's not in relation to Krishna. She has no motive other than serving Krishna. So serving her is serving Krishna. I think it might be nice to read oh, something just briefly mm-hmm. in relation to what we were talking. Hand me that aesthetic Vedanta there behind my computer. This verse, Napareham Niravadyasam Dutam, is a very um, important verse. And it's the last verse of that 32nd chapter. Last of two or three verses that Krishna replies to. And we've Explained it in Aesthetic Vedanta, it's worth um, reading. The Manjari said, this is this section I just talked about briefly, Some love only those who love them, while others love even those who love them not. Still others love neither those who love them, nor those that do not. In questioning Krishna in this way, the gopis wanted to know what kind of lover he was. Why had he not reciprocated their love leaving them to search desperately for him in the night. And why had he abandoned even Radha? In answer, Krishna revealed that he left them only to shed light on the virtue of their love, for which no appropriate reciprocation is possible. That love itself is the highest gain. This is the idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Attaining a position higher than Krishna, one worshipable by Krishna. Who can fathom such a thing? This is why Gaudiya Vaishnavism turns people's heads upside down in other Traditions, Krishna is the supreme Purnavatar. <laughs> what could be higher than him? So Krishna said, Those who love others only when others love, love very small. Dharma they know not, nor friendship do they call. Without perceiving self-benefit in love, they do not love at all. Those merciful, like parents to their children, love others even when they don't get love in return. Such lovers serve the truth of faultless religion. Self-satisfied, ungrateful, materially fulfilled, the envious, all of these love neither those who love them 
nor those inimical. He's given four types of persons that don't reciprocate in love at all. Why do I not reciprocate? When others' love is true, I want that love to grow as one, once rich, then poor, desires wealth more so. The value of a valuable thing is really known and revealed and revealed in its absence and how we react at that time if we lose something very valuable. So Krishna wanted to see how they valued his love. <laughs> you girls who, for my sake alone, left the world, the Vedas, and your own, I left only that your love for me would grow. I never stopped loving you. Forgive me. Forgive me. Now you know just what your love has shown. The debt incurred I cannot pay in a life of Brahma's time. And more than this, what can I say? Your love for me is more than I in mystic way. The gopis questioned Krishna with a view to understand his love for them. They spoke of three types of lovers, those who love only when they reciprocate, those who love others even when they do not reciprocate, and those who do not reciprocate in either case. Krishna explained that those who love only when others reciprocate in actuality do not love at all. Their love is selfish. Those who love even when they get nothing in return are merciful and love in accordance with dharma. Those who do not care for the love of others or for those who do not love them are of four types. Materially fulfilled, the ungrateful, the envious, and the self-realized, all for different reasons, do not reciprocate in love. Hearing Krishna's response, the gopis thought that Krishna did not fit into any of these descriptions. They reasoned that while Krishna is the knower of values and thus might love for the sake of reciprocation, he was at the same time righteous or dharmic. Thus, he was neither of these two. Nor could he be described as materially fulfilled or self-satisfied, optikam or atmaram, for he had called them on this night. <laughs> Since... <laughs> right. That's right. Since he did return, he was not ungrateful, nor was he envious of his superiors, for there is no one superior to him. Considering all of this, they were forced to conclude that Krishna was in a class of his own. And this is what Krishna had implied. What type of lover was he? He was a lover in the true sense of the term, a connoisseur of love, Rasraj. He loved only for the sake of love's increase, and because he witnessed their love to be beyond all comparison, he loved their love and desired that love himself. He wanted that love. He was conquered by that love. Thus Krishna revealed the glory of the gopis' love, which he himself bowed to. Although it is his promise in Gitopanishad that he will reciprocate in the love proportionate to his devotee's loving surrender, the gopis had exhausted his capacity to reciprocate, their love is thus beyond the reach of the Vedas themselves. Conquered by their love, Krishna, the supreme Vedantist, admitted that their love is more worshipable than even him. The attainment of such love is thus the zenith of transcendental culture. Witnessing the glory of this love while hiding, Krishna himself desired to experience it. Herein we find the acme of the love life of the Absolute, a union between energetic source and energy that produces further dynamic expression. This expression is Sri Chaitanya, the descent of Krishna in the ecstasy of Radha. Sham, the color of love, became fair, the color of compassion, when Krishna desired to experience Radha's love. 
This third person is Sri Chaitanya, the dynamic combination of Radha Krishna. Through Sri Chaitanya's followers, the secret of love can be known by all. So this is what Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is telling us, and what Ramananda Roy is telling Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is liking it, but he asks, let's go into this in detail. So he'll bring out the glory of Radha's love in particular, and ultimately, of course, he'll bring out that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, standing before him, is forced to show him his form of Radha and Krishna. He can't hide. <laughs> All right, we'll stop there. Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh,